Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of How to Scale a Business. I'm on with Steve Griffith. He's the CEO and founder of Sales Builders Texas. Appreciate you being in the show, Steve. Well, thank you for having me, June. I'm happy to be here. Amazing. And again, we have an amazing individual in the show right now who have extensive experience in the space of sales. So, um, but aside from this experience that you have, can you let us know how did you started uh, with your career? Why did you take this a path of like sales? I know this is one of the like difficult thing that needs to be done in, in a business. So how did you start? Well, um, you know, I started a long time ago uh, in the tech world as a programmer and was working for a company that I developed an application for an online service company. And this is before we had the internet services. And we put the service up as a test and it became overwhelmingly popular and it crashed all the mainframes of our online service company. So I was called into the CEO's office on the following Monday and he asked me what I had done. And I said, I had no idea that you know the, the errors that occurred would and he said, well, where'd you get the idea? And I said, I don't know. I just thought it'd be a good idea. And he goes, well, that's great. You're no longer going to be a programmer. You're in product management. And that kind of started me down this path of not only building product, but beginning to sell them. So I went into a technical sales career after that with a software company and then got moved over to be a salesperson carrying a, with a quota and territory. And I loved it. And very quickly, I moved into a management role and I loved helping everyone. And that was a course of my career over the first five or six years. And it's like just an intuition, you think. And now because of the experience that you have, it's coming to you like a second sense. Oh, but um, and I, I really agree that in sales, it's pretty stressful right there. there there's a lot of pressure especially when you're just starting mm-hmm. because um i i experienced um the same thing when i'm started when i started in this space it, it's pretty stressful so um how do you how do you like overcome this part of um doing sales like being afraid to um having these rejections being afraid to ask for money from people mm-hmm. so how do you overcome that part Well, you know, being in sales, the idea is not about being afraid of being rejected. If you approach it with what we commonly would call a a servant's heart, I want to help people find an outcome, a desired state that is what they're seeking. So being an active listener is the most important trait of a good salesperson to actively listen to a client and hear what it is they're trying to achieve, and then determining how I could best help them get to that point. It's not for me to determine whether that's a good desired outcome. They've determined what their business outcome is. So in sales, if you focus on helping somebody get where they want to be, very rarely will you get a no, because you're helping them with what they want. And sometimes what I have to do to get there doesn't necessarily involve directly selling my product or service, but it's a a platform from which I may end up selling my platform or service later. 
and I have to have to make that investment. I see. It's really like um, the the perspective that you have in selling. Absolutely, it makes it more powerful if you have this like servants' perspective, like um, service perspective, like just providing value. So that's where you're coming from. Absolutely. So I, while I yes, you know, there is my if I'm working for a comp for somebody as an employee, there's a pressure to hit your quota and you know mm. achieve and, and there's a compensation tied to you achieving your quota. And that doesn't go away. But there are some measures you can look at. You can say, okay, if my quota is five million dollars and it's the beginning of the year, and that's my quota for the year, as long as I can see halfway. If I can see two and a half million dollars of business in my pipeline, potentially, I I feel very confident that I'm going to hit my quota for the year. I need to be able to see 50% of my way there at the beginning of the year, and I'm going to make it. And that's one of the things with my experience of coming up from a technical perspective into sales and then into sales management and leadership that I try to bring to new salespeople. They will oftentimes be very caught up in minutia and details. Sales is about dealing with the gray. Technical is a very black and white business. It's either on or off. And dealing with that unknown or that gray piece is very difficult. So I would tell you, much like the servant characteristic, faith, however you describe faith, your faith in yourself, your faith in your ability, and having faith that you can reach a goal because you can see your path. Those are the important aspects of being successful in sales, in my opinion. You know, I am just like pretty amazed and the, the simplicity of the answers that you provided, because I totally believe in that on how you can think things into existence and how you can like just believing on things and mm -hmm. make it like happen by just believing and having faith on it. And of course, that doing what needs to be done right. but um aside from this um sales experience that you have can you talk a little bit more about your business especially with um the uh, sales builders texas sure. what's what's the value you've um provided so far in a company or built in this company sure so i formed this company just over a year ago and i had been planning it for over three years and that's mm -hmm. an important aspect I planned to start this before I launched it, and it gave me an opportunity to prepare. And what I'm doing is I'm working with small to mid-sized businesses, typically founder-led sales organizations that are struggling or having a challenge in growing their business beyond the founder or owner being the primary salesperson or sales leader. Hmm. A business owner to grow their business has to be able to work on the business, not in it. And what I do is bring in over 35 years of experience in creating, leading, operating sales organizations, along with a framework of tools and processes from a company I licensed with, Sales Acceleration. And I apply those to help them build strategy, process, organization, infrastructure, and all of the things that give a foundation for a repeatable sales process. Mm. And they then are left with an organization of people that are skilled and capable 
if they have a sales leader, I help train that sales leader in how to operate and continue running this. If they don't, I can step in as a fractional sales executive for them. And in doing so, I'm engaged on a monthly basis, leading that sales organization hmm. and helping them find a permanent sales leader. For the most part, that fractional role is where I begin and what I do. Do I build the infrastructure or give them a do-it-yourself plan or do I lead it as well? They have all those options available to them, but I just come in, I'm there to help them, help them get past that point. Typically around three to $5 million is where it gets stuck with a founder-led sales organization. And I help them take that put in the process and, you know, there, there's a number of steps you want to go through. And I can come in and do that with a large organization for a sales line, or I can do it for a small company where it's just one, one organization. And no doubt that you can definitely do that one, especially with this um, extensive experience that you have in a space. So, um, with this um, company that you have, I know every business have like struggles that they've experienced. They overcome like a lot of like obstacles in a way. But in building this business that you have that you've planned for over three years, what's like the greatest challenge that you experience in building this business and how do you overcome that? Sure. Um, there's two things. Number one, when you step out of being employed by other people, there's those typical gaps of income and insurance that you've got to address. Uh, I've seen it written by others and I agree. You need to plan on setting aside enough money to cover your expenses for 12 to 18 months. That coming into it, expect it takes at least that long for you to build back up an income to where you need it to be. And insurance is another thing. So that plan going in is really important. The hardest thing that I ran into was uh, building a network because my business is built on referrals. Business owners don't typically respond to open solicitations for, uh, hey, let me come in and help you. Um, that's not usually the way to do it. They are usually working or know someone and they confide in that person, boy, I'm, you know, this is a real challenge. You know, I'm not confident in, in creating a sales organization or I'm not certain how to take the next step. And that person refers me in. So I had to build a referral network of this type. Hmm. And that involved me going out and meeting with a lot of people. I set my target of building a core referral group of 25 people. And I started going backwards from that. I said, I need to reach 25 people that will know me, trust me, and be confident in referring me. That means I'm going to have to find at least 250 people that are working with those small organizations that I'm seeking. And to find those 250 people, I needed to contact at least 500 people that look like they're in that space. So, mm -hmm. I began a process of reaching out, introducing myself. And my introduction was, how can I help you? I would like to understand what you do so I can introduce you to people that I work with. And I started building a referral network and, and a resource guide. What it's turned into for me is 
I'm now at 1,500 people I've reached out to. And those people all do different things, marketing, finance, you know, lead generation, mm. uh, you, HR, staffing. So while they may not be in my 25, I know what they do and I know what their ideal client looks like and I know how to introduce them. So when I speak with someone, I uh, happen to have a call this morning with someone, it it is not a contract for me, but what I did was I connected them to someone that I think will help them with the exact problem they have. And that may later turn into an opportunity for me, but it's that servant heart that I apply to that. I listened to them, figured out what their outcome is. And I said, you know, I, I have three or four suggestions, but I think the best one is this. And I made the introduction. So I made a very uh, detailed introduction of both people engaged in this particular introduction the and said, here's what I think the needs are and here's why I think you will be the right person for them. And I'm happy to be, I'm available if you want me included in anything in the future. So that's the way I've gone about building my network, how it has benefited me. And then I've got clients of all types. It It's just amazing how you like, build an actual structure around that and reaching like 1500 people already uh, yeah and no no that um, did i get the number right yeah you're right i mean uh, you know i i just but i constantly am reaching out to new people to say hey you know and and, and so i reside in central texas and so you know austin and and surrounding areas san antonio um it, this is all where I'm meeting these people. And then a lot of times I find communities of people that are involved in fractional work like myself. And I participate in meetings on a monthly basis with that group. There may be 60 to hundred people on one of those calls and I meet four or five people each time. So, you know, I, I just, I am constantly networking and that's extremely important today. Agree. I totally agree with that one. There's even this um, company that I interviewed previously. There's also in sales and they have their our reps, even in what position, like do like 50 calls mm -hmm. in a day. Yeah. And that's what you're doing. Like you're constantly doing the outreach, which benefited you a lot. And that's very important with sales. And I totally uh, agree with that one. Yeah. So I, again, I would say I needed to reach, you know, early on to get my 500 down to my 25 that I was targeting. Um, that required me to be reaching out to 10 to 12 people every week to have one-on-one -on -one meetings. And that means I had to, to contact at least 25 people to get those 10 to 12. You know, the numbers, you know, you, that 50% metric works until you get down to your core, right? I agree. Um, and, and that just, I mean, it was just dedication and focus. I agree. I agree. And you need to know your numbers as well. Definitely agree with that one. And again, going back to the rejection and being afraid to like ask or like being uh, rejected, mm -hmm. it's it all comes back and having the right perception, like having the mentality to to provide service or to provide value, like giving them what they need, mm -hmm. right? But exactly. uh, aside from this, um, how do you um stay like um updated with this latest uh, trends and development? 
this this effect let's say for example um the one that's very hot right now which is chat gpt the ai did this somehow like affect the, the process that you got um well certainly and you know coming from you know an early background of being a technologist you know being a programmer mm-hmm. i have an innate curiosity around technology so the generative ai large language modules like chat gpt are something i naturally gravitate towards now if you roll out some new economic or financial forecasting model i'm probably not going to spend as much time digging into it but with mm-hmm. chat gpt i've had more fun playing with that than i ever thought um, <laughs> and and you know i i enjoy getting to know new technology and technology today is essential for every business. So uh, just as having an accountant is essential, so is having a CIO and now a CISO, a chief information security officer. And the next evolution that ChatGPT is going to foreshadow is the chief data officer. That's the emerging position. The amount of data every business is collecting putting that into a database that could be utilized by a a natural language processing, large language module AI tool to create unique results, not generic results. That's the real exciting part. And we consumerized AI. AI has been around for a long time, but we consumerized it and made it accessible to the general public with chat GPT. Uh, by the way, don't put anything private or personal or um, protected into chat into a chat bot because you put it into the into the public domain by doing that. You write personal code, mm-hmm. put it in there. Um, you've just now made it available to everybody. Um, so, um, but I think it's it, we're going to see tremendous things happen. Um, you know, as a result, and we can't even imagine just like when we we create when the mosaic browser hit and the Internet exploded because the public had access to it. The term I, I will use is consumerization of IT. We've consumerized what was previously the domain of the technical IT professional. And we made just like the iPhone and everything else took these highly technical tools and things and put them in the hands of everybody. Same thing is happening with ChatGPT. I agree. As long as it will be like um, utilized as a tool. So oh, it won't 100%. be. It won't be. I mean, uh, you know, sadly, when the internet, the, the vast majority of traffic through the first 10 years of the internet was pornography. That was one of the biggest uh, volumes of traffic across the internet. I mean, you know, people will use it for what they, what they want. I agree. Totally agree with that one. And um, can you also speak any metrics or KPIs? Going back to, 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 to the business that you have, what mm-hmm. metrics or KPI that you use to, to measure like the success of your business? Well, I know it's too early. Um, it's been a year for this company that you have, but it, are, are you already like, um, I believe you're already using one like metrics or KPI to, to measure. But what are those? Well, I continue to use my outreach numbers. How many people am I meeting with a week? And, and I do segment between, because I do segment between clients and referral partners, not and mm. clients do become referral partners, 
but I need an equal number and I need to meet with, I try to meet with, have 20 meetings a week, 10 of them with clients, 10 of them with partners. And those are not contracted clients. I try to meet with new prospective clients, 10 a week. And that's the harder metric because that requires referrals. And if I don't continue to maintain my referral contacts, I won't get any clients. So it's if I fill my calendar with contracts, I don't have any time for outreach. And so striking a balance there, that's the number one thing for me right now. Um, I did build my business plan with three lines of revenue planned and I had staggered my introduction of each line of revenue by one year into the development of my business. I had an opportunity to bring one line of revenue in at the ninth month. And so it, it was out of, it was out of sequence. It was not in my plan, but that's what a plan is about is being fluid. So I added it and, and adapted. And so I have two lines of revenue that I'm doing. One is around a, hourly coaching consulting type practice. And the other is my contract fractional sales work. And um, it's working out great. I see. And that is really one of the important thing, or I think, I think the most important thing in sales, aside from having that mindset of like providing a service, mm -hmm. it's knowing your numbers and then um, sticking with these numbers that, that you have. So, especially in sales, 100%, I also agree with you that it's very important to, to like track the numbers, costs that you have, um, or the meetings that you have, especially uh, with sales. And um, what advice can you um, give to these small to medium-sized businesses? Because we have like numbers of listeners that we have in small to medium-sized businesses, um, in software and in tech industry. So having a sales structure it's pretty important but um as what i observe in doing like outreach there are like a lot a lot of companies doesn't have like an actual like structure for sales so how do they like what's the best way to to start with building this um good structure in sales so what advice can you give to these uh, um owners there's one tool that every owner should be employing and and a lot of them have it, but they don't employ it properly. It's a CRM. For you to keep track of every client prospect that you contact and to understand the progressive nature of a sales opportunity and capture that in your CRM, those are the two most fundamental and important things to having a, a foundation on which you can repeatedly engage. You learn so much by going back and looking at that data. Um, and as I spoke earlier about, we were talking about chat GPT, that data is what's going to become the genesis of your own large language module database that separates you from your competition. It's really important that CRM data from a sales perspective is captured accurately and completely, mm. right? This era of, data utilization, data science is going to be the transformative piece for businesses in the future. So I, I, I would just say, 
get a CRM and use it every day and capture everybody that you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, it's about building the appropriate sales process, the understanding different things, you know, value propositions, client profiles, buyer personas, um, creating an accurate forecast. If you're in that stage where you're still getting external funding uh, from uh, A round, B round, C round, um, they're not going to give you money unless you demonstrate that you have solved a problem and people will buy it and that you have a grasp on how you're running your business. So they don't just invest in good ideas any longer. Agree. It's it's more of like a data. So you need to capture these data and be as much um, like specific or accurate as much as possible. Yes, and and it's and it's not. Salespeople have a terrible reputation of of avoiding CRMs, but when you use it in a way that they see it's beneficial for themselves, and that's one of the things that I put into practice is demonstrating how that CRM can be beneficial to the salesperson. Then they're going to enter it because it's it's their best uh, client success management tool that they have. And the more recently people talk about long-term or lifetime value of clients. Mm. You, you achieve lifetime value and high levels of customer success through the, the proper use of a CRM. Mm-hmm. 100%, 100%. And actually, uh, I'm, I'm guilty of that one myself. Because I'm not really like that much paying attention to uh, CRMs, but you, that, I totally agree with that. Totally, 100%. So long-term value, it's difficult to like pull up data from anywhere. That's why you need to have like certain location, which is the CRM. Right. Which if you take that servant approach that I spoke of earlier, for me, I speak with a client. They don't contract with me, but I give them assistance. That are a prospect. They're not a client. Mm. I spoke with a prospect I talked to them, gave them assistance. That goes into my CRM. That that's an opportunity for me. Now, how long will it take for that opportunity to to turn around and advance to the next stage for me? It could take a year. I could likely forget everything that's occurred between now and a year later. But if I have it in my CRM, it's available at my fingertips. It's just amazing, and. Um... Before like um, ending this one, I have this like a pretty like general question that I wanted to ask for you. Uh, this is like asking your um, like the core principle or core tenant that you have. My core principle or core tenant is that's it, and and that you establish um over the years. I know a lot of things are changing, especially with the with, with the internet right now. But there's this one foundation that we have right, multiple um tenants that we have that stays the same. So well, what I'll, are I'll, these? I'll use a Latin phrase that was, was given to me in a training years ago. The credit goes to a group called the Grayson Group. I don't know if they're longer, any longer around. And it was, and, and the Latin phrase is verba volant scripta manet. And it goes back to Roman times. What it loosely means is what is spoken flies away. What is written endures. And I use that as this is why it's so important to capture that particular information in my CRM. Because as I have a conversation, everything we spoke about is limited to how long I can remember it. 
But if I write it down, it endures. I have it at re- as a reference. So that's a really key principle that I've employed. Um, if you have a goal, write it down. And better, share it with somebody and ask them to hold you accountable for reaching that goal. The written word, committing it into something other than what you speak is very powerful. And, and it goes back to legal terms of, you know, a man's word is only a man's uh, word is only as good as the paper it's written on. Mm. Right. Um, so I, I will tell you that it's really important to to capture or write down things and, and have them endure. Uh, my wife and I happened to just recently write a whole list of things about our life growing up. So our children and grandchildren will have it uh, to look at later. That, that's just pretty amazing to hear. And again, the simplicity in, in that, um, the thing that you're doing, it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's amazing because we are easily get uh, attracted to this uh, shiny, um, shiny objects around us. So we forget about the simplicity. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how you need to do it. You just need to write it down. Like just jot it down. So, um, if anybody wants to connect with you, um, thinking about working with you, partnering with you, you have a great network, as you've said. So, um, you will be a great help for numbers of um companies, especially those that are like listening to the show. So, how can they do that? How can they like connect with you or well, reach out to you? Sure. What's uh, the best way to do I'm that? I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, Steve Griffith, and uh, you'll you'll find me there. The name of my company is Sales Builders Texas, and my website is www.salesbuilderstx.com, and you can reach me both of those ways. And um, you know, I welcome the connections, I welcome the inquiries, and I'm happy to help however I can. Amazing, and. Steve right here have, have extensive experience. Again, you have like over three decades of experience in this space. So I'm pretty uh, glad that you attended the show, provided that these information. And Steve, we can actually consider it as a liquid gold from the experience that you have. So again, um, it's, it's my pleasure. It's our honor to have you in our show. Thank you so much. Thank you. And for our listeners, um, we just uh, experienced another pour of liquid gold from this amazing individual that we have in the show. And that's it for now. See you in the next episode. Cheers.